Hello and welcome to Tape Notes, the podcast that looks behind the scenes at the magic of recording and producing music. Every episode we'll be reuniting an artist and producer and talking through some of the highlights from their collaboration in the studio. So join us as we lift the lid on the creative process and the inner workings of music production to see what lies beneath. Hello, I'm John Kennedy, and joining me for this episode of Tape Notes are Group Love and producer Dave Sitek to talk about how they recorded and produced the album Healer. Group Love are an American alternative rock band from California, featuring the talents of singer and keys player Hannah Hooper, singer and guitarist Christian Zaccone, guitarist Andrew Wesson, bassist Daniel Gleason, and drummer Benjamin Hamola. The founding members of the band, including original drummer Ryan Rabin and bassist Sean Gadd, met in 2009 on a creative retreat on the Greek island of Crete. The following year, they played their first show together and quickly gained a reputation for their energetic performances, leading to tours supporting Florence and the Machine and the Joy Formidable, as well as a co-headline tour with Foster the People. Their debut album, Never Trust a Happy Song, arrived in 2011, released through Canvasback and Atlantic Records, with Ryan Rabin taking on the role of producer. The album jumped into the top five on the Billboard Heat Seekers charts, with the single Tongue Tied spending three weeks at number one on the alternative charts. Since then, the band have made a further three albums, including their latest, Healer, which was released earlier this year, and is the first time the band have chosen to work at length with an outside producer. Dave Sitek is a Grammy Award-winning producer, mixer, songwriter and musician, originally from Columbia, Maryland. Having formed a hardcore band at the age of 14 that rehearsed in his family home, Dave's path in music was set from an early age. Moving to Brooklyn in the 90s, he developed parallel careers as a producer of bands such as Yeah Yeah Yeahs and Liars, while simultaneously starting TV on the radio with his housemate, Tunde Adebimpe. The band went on to become one of the most influential bands of the era, with high-profile admirers such as David Bowie. Since then, Dave has gone on to work with artists as varied as Foles, Khalees, Santi Gold and Weezer. He's also produced remixes for the likes of Florence and the Machine, Beck and Run the Jewels, and in 2019, he won a Grammy for his work on Beyonce and Jay-Z's The Carter Project, Everything Is Love. Today, I'm at home in Morden, South London, while Christian, Hannah and Dave join me from Dave's studio in Los Angeles. And what better way to start our conversation than by hearing something from the record. This is Hail to the Queen. Hail to the Queen by Group Love from their album Healer and I should have via the modern means of online technology Christian and Hannah from Group Love plus Dave Sitek sitting in a studio together in Los Angeles, California and I'm in South London. Hello, can you hear me? 
Yes, we can. Hello. We sure can. <laughs> a few. <laughs> so it's great to be able to speak to you. And thank you so much for joining us for Tape Notes. Um, here to talk about a few tracks from the Healer album. And um, you went to Sonic Ranch in El Paso, Texas to record. But when did you start to think about working together? How did that come about? I think it came about after we did some demos, right? I have terrible uh, memory of timeline, but I know we were like, Dave hates everyone, so let's go meet him. And if he likes us, let's do this album. <laughs> that was essentially it. We went up to his place where we're sitting right now and he'd heard some of the demos and he was like, so I believe you guys. We were like, what? And he's like, yeah, I believe, I believe you guys. And let's make a fucking album. That's basically true. Yeah. I mean, I don't hate everyone. Number one, let's get that out of the way. But I'm not the right guy for the job right. most of the time. But right. then I heard your record and I was like, oh, I believe you guys. And a lot of people make some unbelievable music. And I don't mean unbelievable, like, that's unbelievable. I mean, it's like, nah, I don't really think that. I don't think you were punching in the numbers at the ATM machine. It just doesn't fly with me. Yeah, yeah. Your presence is intimidating until you get to know you. And then... Then you realize I'm just a jerk. No, you're just like... You're... <laughs> but I'm funny. <laughs> it's true. I know. In terms of the demos, I mean, what, what level do you work up your demos? I mean, it really depends on the song. For Deleter, we have some uh, samples of some demos that we did. Yeah, we, we recorded those live at um, in Northern California. And uh, that, that was the first time we wrote as a five-piece with our new drummer, Ben, who's amazing. And um, the idea was spawned the first night we were there. Yeah. We just improvised it, and uh, the lyrics to the chorus came that first night, and we were just really proud of it. And that's, I think, one of the first songs we played to you, Dave. Yep. We actually... Um, Ben recorded everything when we were rehearsing up there or like recording or making demos. And he was like, yeah, we jammed on two chords for a deleter. He's like for five hours. So I'm just going to send like little moments because <laughs> we just got lost in it. So That's pretty impressive. So it is just jamming, but then a song came out of those five hours. What did you, you didn't play Dave for five hour jam. You no. must have played oh, him something not. simpler. No, no, we kind of like consolidated. <laughs> Guys, um, play me every thought you've yeah. ever had. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like anything. It's like once the idea comes to be, you're like, okay, this is the beginning of a song. And then the song either happens or it doesn't, you know? Yeah. And um, it took five hours with the song. Five hours with the right five people. That's it. Yeah, because yeah. it could take five months if you're with the wrong people. Yeah, totally. So, and then the song feels like it took five months. Yeah. Should we play a little something? Yeah, that would be great to... So this is the original demo we're going to The original hear. demo, yeah. Yeah, let's hear the original yeah. demo. Christian knows I do this, and it's really embarrassing. This means I feel close to you guys. So what's the recording setup for this demo? I mean, you're all, all five of you playing in one room together? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, just live. Just one big room. In Northern California. So is this a place you hired for? It was my parents' house. Like, and they so generously just gave it to us for 10 days of 
debauchery. My mom has a little bit of OCD, so we moved all the furniture and left little marks of exactly where everything goes back to. <laughs> we basically emptied the house out. It was pretty awesome. Wow, that's amazing. I mean, it sounds beautifully live, I think, to me. You know, like we're in the room with you and you're all playing together, but you can hear every, all the elements, can't you? You can hear it all. So um, this was what you heard, Dave, then. Yeah. They played this to you. Yeah. And this made you think they are real. They're, they're doing it. Oh, I they knew they were real. It was just a question of do they benefit from working with me in any way, but it wasn't the demos that made me think that. The demos made me believe them, and I was like, oh, you're not just singing gibberish about nothing. But it was getting to know them that I was like, oh, yeah, this would be the right thing. He was like, I need to turn them into anarchists. <laughs> so basically, I need, to, I need to take them to Sonic Ranch. And- so how many songs did you have prepared when you went to see Dave? We had like 12 or 13, and the majority came from these writing sessions that we're listening to now. Right. And... Um, and Dave took us along for that ride where he was like, let's go and record those songs at the ranch. And we were like, all right. And we got down there and he's like, let's just start writing a new album. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, not entirely that, but yeah. yeah we yeah. had fun writing the first song and it was like, you know, let's just keep that going. And Yeah. You can't stop magic. It's like if, if you're in a zone and it's flowing and you have a lot to say and you're vibing with, you know, Dave came into the group and it felt like, complete it doesn't like sometimes people come in and it feels really like uncomfortable and we just had a good time the whole time so that's what happened yeah i mean it, it was quite a different experience i seem to remember because we we hannah and christian we all chatted back at the beginning of march when you were over in the uk to play a one-off show yeah and i remember you saying that this idea of going to you know a residential studio to to live for a while with producer was a very new experience for you yeah, and I'm, I'm grateful that we experienced it because that's how we write normally. You know, we detach and we dedicate ourselves to writing. So to do that with the producer, like we all just got to, it was, we were living in the art. We were, you know, eating together and playing together and pissing each other off and laughing a lot and getting stoned and whatever, not sleeping. And, and so it just became the whole thing was making the album. There wasn't like, oh, let's clock out now. Like you we were just enjoying each other the whole time. And that was, um, honestly, it just felt, exactly how you're supposed to make music and it's exactly what we needed too yeah you know when your parents go out of town the first time and they like leave you and (laughs) and that feeling when you know that like either their car is too far down the highway to turn around or the plane's already in the air and they can't turn the plane around and that feeling like i'm immediately gonna go get weed and i'm immediately gonna call my friends and i'm immediately gonna start jamming like, that's the vibe. I mean, we talked about that before we even went down there. It was like unsupervised adulthood is like real freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I am I just turned it up to detach from reality by keeping us up all night. I personally thought it was just so no one would be glued to their cell phones because we'd start at like 9 p.m.-ish and then we'd finish at like 11 the next day, depending on, you know, what was going on. We'd have these giant bonfires in the middle and like, just so much creativity going on and just so much like we just stop and have like a three hour conversation about like why labels suck or like (laughs) the government why it's a fucking mess or just whatever and then we just go back into writing and that would feed whatever we were doing and it was awesome wow it just reminds me of of the kind of the birth the birth myth about group love about you all meeting on this greek island in some kind of 
art commune. That idea of people coming together and being creative seems such an essential part of what you're about. Most definitely. You know, it's, what's interesting about how that all started, when we met with Dave and started making this album, it was the first time the band had that like magical, unknown feeling again, as we first had it when we you know, all met each other randomly in Greece. So that was really nice to have that like meeting of the minds at the most perfect moment. Yeah. I was the right weirdo for the job. <laughs> totally. I think they needed someone weird. Sometimes the line between successful and great is really obvious, and sometimes it's not. With these guys, I was just like, oh, it's greatness. So when I was saying originally, like sometimes I'm not the right guy for the job, but sometimes I'm like the exact right guy, and, and, and that can be like older brother, teenage clown. That could be, you know, whatever. There's a lot of different roles you have to fill, but when you're in the pursuit of greatness, you're willing to fulfill any of those different, you know, modes, whatever it takes, you know? Whereas if it's like, it's just like a successful thing, then you just lean on habits or whatever. Boring. Yeah. So I knew just from talking to them, I was like, they're really weird, but they're really honest, you know? And they just make this really crazy music. And so I was just curious to know, since we were in such a good mood at, down at the ranch, I was like, well, there's, you know, the mindset for recording all the stuff you already did is appropriate, but we were talking about so much and so many things that were made clear to me that were important to them. And I was just like, oh, well, that's the record right there. Like, that was kind of my thing is I would get them talking, you know, we'd be in the middle of a conversation and then I would just be like, that's the song right there. <laughs> you know, like, I'm like, there's no need to think about it. Like, we have to make a song and it has to have choruses and it has to do this. I was like, what you just said, that's a whole song. And then it became us unpeeling the onion of that and trying to figure out how to do it. And, you know, when you're doing it with really incredible, capable people, it's like, it's not work, you know? Yeah. And it's sometimes when you're like chasing like radio success or whatever, it's just a, it's just a, you know. We always want to evolve. So it almost felt like when we were down there with Dave, like recording the songs we'd already sort of recorded, these demos that were really thought out. It just didn't seem like where we were at. And we were just, just by changing locations and being with Dave and being at Sonic Ranch and staying up all night and going slowly insane. We were like, let's just write new music. And um, the first thing I can say from leaving that experience was like, we trust ourselves now in a way we didn't before this experience. Well, that, I mean, that's like paramount, you know, totally. to being an artist, you know, like, I but mean, I think we did have, we yeah. had the, we had the, you know, the big tongue tied hit that was sort of chasing us. And we yeah. were like, let's go be artists. Well, that's the thing is that the songs that you played me that we went down there to record, we had the full intention of recording, but getting to know you and what was important to you at the moment was disconnected from the songs that you had written before. And I felt like everything that you guys were talking about was radical to put in a song, <laughs> to say the least. You know, I mean, even like the argument we got in with, you know, he who shall remain nameless when it was like the, you know, the whales thing. And I was just like, man. Oh, yeah you the child in you is dead if you don't want to ride around on a whale's tail like totally. i'm not even gonna have this argument with you yeah you know totally and it was like when christian sang it it was so believable i was just like my eyes were watering i was like yeah. fuck you know like christian you does ride that, around a whale's yeah you like, don't get you don't get that moment in music very often yeah. where it's just that reminiscent like oh yeah this is true and real and like music's like a youth game in a lot of respects you know totally. i mean not classical necessarily you know i guess in some places it is but and i'm not saying young like physical age i'm saying like young in spirit 
You know totally. what I mean? Yeah. One of my friends is a music fanatic and he's like 64 and he likes music way more than I do. And I fucking love it, you know? So it was like, there was something really spirited about what you guys were doing and that was worth defending against the normies. We defended it. Yeah. But Delita stayed in this. You know, so that was one that you had demoed before and you had played to Dave. Yeah, the three songs we're doing today are actually the, the only three that we brought demos in for. The thing is that when we were writing with Dave, it happened so quickly that there's no real right. process to unfold. So we wanted to show, and, and these songs actually transformed quite a bit once we were at the ranch with Dave. So As you'll hear. Yeah. As you will see. Yeah, well, it would be great. So once you got down there and started to try and record Delita, what, what did you do? How did you approach it? Because, I mean, you already had this gem of a, of a jam to, to go from. You obviously worked it through a lot and, and it had such a great energy to it. I was getting breakfast burritos. I remember for everyone, I was bringing them to the studio at night. They'd been like cold and sitting at, in the <laughs> kitchen all day. But I remember coming in and like, Wessie was in like quite a state and like Dave was looking kind of grumpy. This is like the vibe in the room is always changing, but always pretty positive. But this is the only time I remember that it was like, obviously someone's emotional state was not okay. And Dave was just like, this is just fucking what I want to see. This is what's <laughs> happening. And uh, it was the only, and I think Wessie like, his basically his guitar part changed during while I was getting breakfast burritos. Yeah, and I came back and uh, I think Dave, you said something like, "Play this like it's like you're like a 13 year old boy who just got an electric guitar or something." I was like, "Yeah, play it like you love the instrument." You know, yeah. his stuff was like really, and it wasn't that it was wrong. It just like, and it was that guitar part is later in the song. You know, but yeah. it's like when it comes out of the gates like that. And that just like freak out thing. And I was like, just do it. And then we'll know if it's wrong. That was the whole fight was because he yeah. wouldn't just do it. And I'm like, just do it. And then it'll be wrong. And then we'll know it's wrong. And then we can move on. But yeah. he was just not doing it. And I was just like, I'm not having that. Like you just, your whole job in life is to play a guitar and you love playing a guitar and you sit there and play it while people are talking the whole time. I'm just asking you to do it for six minutes. I think, longer, I honestly, you I know? think that, like, <laughs> but that was, I think everyone, and I love him, but it yeah, was yeah. like, that was the time I was like, just play the, just do the thing that you're here to do. But yeah. I think ah. everyone had that moment making this album at one yeah. point, you know what I mean? Remember like, not to side note, but Dave would always have me cut my vocals at like 10 AM after being up all night. Like always, you were yeah. like, you're not ready yet. You're not ready yet. And then by 10 AM, I'm like, can I yeah. please <laughs> go into the booth? He's like, fine, go yeah. in. And I think it's just part of, it's like putting you into a place where you're, supposedly uncomfortable it's just changing your energy it's not even about that it's yeah. like just don't this is an over feeling business not an overthinking business totally. like if you want to overthink like do finance you know what i mean yeah, get yeah. out of the way yeah, like yeah. this is a, this is for like mushy ass like i want to hear like cool things that make me hate the government vibes or whatever <laughs> or like you know yeah. love her or him or it or I, them or, i think we should play by the way before we go i think we should still play like that earlier moment when we we're writing deleter yeah we can yeah talk us through it hannah well, I just remember being up at the um, up in Northern California, and we we went on this ten mile hike, right? Mm -hmm. And we're I was with Christian, like thinking about lyrics for the song, and just like how the world just felt like it was falling apart, just in every way, like the government, the climate, just like. And we were in this beautiful place that felt like it was like stopped in time, like in Northern California, it was beautiful, and like we were alone yeah. and creating music, and we just went on this hike and started thinking about lyrics and um, then came back and we recorded this well here's the, the mention of the hike one more time and you guys are gonna fucking kill me we went on a 10 mile hike today and you're excluded from this but will you guys stand up just just stand up for this one time we play it <laughs> bossy ass hannah um 
No, I just remember being really excited about the song. I wanted everyone to like fucking just get into it. Everyone was so worn out. See, you're just like me. You see I know. This? Yeah. That's why we're that's why yeah. we're six inch friends. Which yeah. Sounds gross, and no one understands that. But so we always were six inches apart the whole recording. So you got canvas got <laughs> off my back. <laughs> no, I got canvas, and I still sat next to you. That's true, actually. Yeah. I hear it. Yeah. Look out, motherfuckers! Is this the one? Anyway. So I don't know what we're looking for, but I guess also that reminds me that like right after we did these demos, I got vocal surgery because <laughs> yeah. I sound like, I mean, I sound wild. I actually loved the way my voice sounded during that time. You had a very pro wrestler vibe. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I was just like, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> oh just all the time. Oh my God. It was wild. Should we hear what it turned into? Yeah, we should. Yeah. There you go, Wessie. <laughs> so how did you get him to play that guitar part then, Dave? Just See, this is the thing. So we're talking about someone who can play anything and who plays perpetually. Like the whole time we were there, he was playing a guitar. So I'm just like, just try it. it like i would rather crash into a brick wall really quickly than know it's coming for six hours and still not get through you know like it was just that when i asked him to change something he just was not having it and i was like okay this is gonna either take 14 minutes or 40 minutes or four hours or four days at the end of that you're gonna play another guitar part and you're yeah. gonna do it right and i was like and i believe in you and you're the one making this like really crazy. But I think it was yeah. like also emotionally so important for him. Cause yeah. it was just like, once you let go, just the lesson in life always yeah. It's like, once you surrender, yeah. you're like free. And then and once you're na- free, you're then he nailed it. And then it's like, so you've played the song live with him. I've seen the video. Of yeah. He's fa- he loves it. See, that's the yeah. thing he is that like, it. he's, and I'm just like, Oh, but that's yeah. like the greatest lesson in life all the time is like surrender. Well, it's collaborating too. I mean, even yeah. like, it's like coming in with a really bad case of demoitis, which yeah. you do when you bring in your demos. Totally. Well, that's the thing. You get I'm so like, used to I mean, even yeah. on places. Yeah. I was like fighting you yeah. tooth and nail with that and the arrangement and all this stuff. Yeah. And if there's going to be drums or not. Yeah. And, yeah, that's just so, how it is. I was get, super fun the whole time, though, yeah. so I don't know. So <laughs> No one hires me because I'm agreeable. Like, that's yeah. not the thing. You're not like, <laughs> no, I want you're... someone to just say yes all the time. I'd like... I may be wrong, like for sure, but I'm definitely honest. Like but you're if, a mad scientist. No, it's to me, it's like if it loses energy and I feel that, it's my responsibility to tell you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so sometimes there's people who like can't deal with that. And like that's what I said before about like, am I the right guy for the job? Because it's like sometimes I'm like, oh, you already know what you want. Just get another chorus pedal. You know, like I'm right. an expensive guy to have in the room for no reason. If you just want to someone to agree with you, get a cheaper agreeer. <laughs> cheaper <laughs> that's a band name right there i'm just gonna side note um yeah. we also realized just going back to like total kids at sonic ranch 
if you like could pan through the room, like all this crazy equipment, everyone's having a crazy time. And then should we just look over at the snack table and what was going on there? Because we would go to Sprouts, this grocery store, like totally stoned and get like everything you'd ever want ever it was kind of disgusting no we made chocolate chip cookies with cream cheese in the middle it was like oreos for, <laughs> that only stoners would eat like no one else would eat that we just were kind of like throw we, some gummy bears on there we oh, said yeah. it so we didn't have to leave the studio ever it was pretty crazy and um and we built these epic bonfires yeah. too so I, with all these songs we're gonna talk about i still remember these like breaking moments where we'd go outside it was probably like three in the morning and we'd just be standing around this bonfire and just like mother nature would take over and be like kind of this moment of silence and dave would normally dj like a pretty tripped out a lot of like moon dog and stuff like that we were just like <laughs> just like kind of chill for a minute before we go back in and it yeah. was just like this nice it was almost like lunch break yeah like 3 a.m lunch break yeah and then just go back in and like for a not so successful corporation. <laughs> exactly. We had a bonfire lunch break. It's so fun though. Moon dog. It's weird because yeah. talking about it, I'm like, why are we not there right now? I know, right? This is like the perfect time because, like, do that line in Deleter, like, tell your friends that you're okay. You're never gonna see them anyway. Like, bom bom bom. What mm-hmm. do you think's happening right now? This is where we're at. So with that, going back to the face-off between um, you and Andrew. <laughs> I mean, did he choose the 14-minute option or the four-day option? Did he just say, right, okay, stuff you, I'm going to do it, and then that's... We were getting around three and a half hours, which is good time. The thing is that, like, I don't pick these fights on the first day. We fucking, we recorded all kinds of stuff. We did things a bunch of different ways. But at that point, I'd already proven to Wesley that I was like, Every time I've recorded you, you sound great, right? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, I'm not fucking with you right now. Like, this is like what I'm yeah, doing yeah. the same thing. I'm just doing it from this other angle. And I'm doing it because the song needs to needs be as, as you know, elevated yeah, yeah, yeah. as everyone else is being. You have the opportunity and the skill set to, like, make the speakers peel off. Yeah. That's what I actually told him. And yeah. then and it, you guys did it. Yeah. You guys sounds, did it. And he did it and it sounded sounds right. So and immediately he was just like, oh yeah, that sounds great. I was like, see. <laughs> so that was, uh. that was like the type thing. That's what I love about Wesley is he did it. And then he was like, oh shit. Okay. Yeah. This is fucking awesome. He sounds like a superstar. I was like, yeah. this is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. come on, man. Mm-hmm. I'm not asking you to play Harper or anything. And even still do it anyway. Yeah. Love it. Before we recorded that song, Deleter though, we recorded like, remember our like, our first night of like just trial songs where we were just in there and I was like, party, 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 like those songs. Yeah. That was such an important thing to do. Like Dave yeah. had made all these like, in, or we, I guess we made them all together. So yeah. like instrumental tracks, we went in and it was to like loosen us up to write together. Yeah. That was awesome that we did We that. also, the first night we got there had to, felt like we needed to improvise in front of you for like four hours. Yeah. So yeah we, we got were, there and we're like, we're really good at jamming. Yeah. Oh my God. You know? That was so bad. <laughs> so, but like, you know, being there for the first night in this brand new, different kind of place with you behind the glass, like listening, we were like not really killing it. No. Finding the Because we, we kind of talked about this about like, we were when we were just talking outside, but like anything that's sort of like performance versus real. Yeah. They just like, it's not, we were kind of performing for Dave. Yeah. We were like, Dave, look at this. <laughs> yeah. Like it was, we can jam. Yeah, we can. <laughs> we can jam. Can make stuff Everyone, up on the spot. Ever, have you ever heard two chords over yeah. seven minutes? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that was that was a funny first yeah. night. Wow. So when you recorded Deleter, um, how long had you been at the ranch? I think Deleter was the last song we recorded. Yeah, yeah we had done a bunch. That's why the whole thing with, yeah. with Wesley was so weird because I was like, Oh yeah. Did right. I not just record you sounding amazing twelve different times? Like, what yeah, are you? Yeah. 
What are you tripping? Do you think all of a sudden I'm trying to sabotage you? Like, <laughs> come on, man. Sabotage. Sabotage. Yeah, I guess, sabotage. Was, I guess it was the last song. I didn't even realize that. I felt like it was the first song, but yeah, I, I don't I don't remember things in actual order. I remember them the way I want to. There you go. Yeah. And how long were you at the ranch then? We um, did two different. Yeah, we went the, there twice. So yeah, yeah, we wrote like seven songs in eight days. We did that two months before we went back. Yeah, to really like dig into the album, so yeah. we knew like right away how amazing. And it we was. went back the second time. What was that for? Two weeks? For uh, one month? That was a month. Yeah. Holy shisa! Yeah, that's right. You do not have any concept of time. I did have brain surgery, so I used that. That's true. That's it. It's been quite a quite a year. I mean, did you? I'm just wondering when the brain surgery um, <laughs> happened in terms of the recording of the album. So this as is something we, you. As yeah. soon as we handed it to the label. Yeah, basically, yeah, like literally, it sort of was like, no, I didn't know I was having brain surgery during any of this time. Yeah, so that wasn't affecting the actual recording session. No, it wasn't affecting any of it. Um, but, you know, I have like lived my life always thinking something scary is looming, so I hope that's what it was. <laughs> Should we clarify for people about the brain surgery just so that they're thinking, what what's this about brain oh, surgery? Yeah. So, so I after we finished writing with Dave, I... Um, got asked to do a solo art show at Shepherd Fairies Gallery. And I was painting these massive canvases like on the ground and standing over them really weird. And I started feeling super strange on the left side of my body. And I was like, oh, this must just be like how I'm painting, blah, blah, blah. And lo and behold, I got an MRI because it just kept getting worse. And it found out I had a, like a cavernous malformation in my brain that was bleeding and slowly pressing on my nerves and causing what they call a slow stroke. So the day after my art show opening i flew with christian to phoenix and got brain surgery and just got my head cut open and then cracked and then they just like did something magical and now i'm all good so mm. it is i'm telling like the quick end it was totally scary but i just i just kept making art and i just honestly christian was a rock the whole time even though i found out later on he was pretty freaked out and uh yeah i just had good people around me yeah amazing but that was all after you'd recorded the Healer album. So good if the recording had been done and then yeah. suddenly you were landed with this shocking news. Right. Um, amazing. And then, and you kind of, as you've kind of already hinted in a way, you, you know, you discover all, all these things about the music and the songs that you've written and recorded that somehow tie in with what happened to you. You know, totally. the lyrics and sounds take on a, a greater significance. It, with kind of 2020 hindsight or something. Yeah, I definitely, I think that's our job as artists is sort of to be like future tellers and like spiritual leaders. <laughs> 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 anyway, sometimes you succeed, sometimes you don't. Yeah. But um, this album Healer for sure is, uh, it's just magical information for the world to take in. <laughs> that is true. So before we move on from Delita, is there anything else we should hear from the, the sessions or you know, any specific bits? The guitar, we can play the, the guitar. So that is the new guitar line. Yes. Yeah. 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 Do you want to hear the old one? Yeah. Yeah, what a different energy, though, between yeah. the yeah. both versions. Yeah. So. yeah. They both have their merits. It was just like, 
I was like, what would happen if? Yeah, we just we just come out like yeah. straight on fire. Yeah, you know? which is awesome. It sounds. I mean, it, I, it sounds like such a, a a fun song to play, but it sounds like you know live that is going to be amazing. Unfortunately, you haven't had the chance to to really test it out time and time again, but um, you will do. And also mm. just like looking around at your bandmates during that song and just being like, being in a band is the best job ever. Yeah. Like, it's just <laughs> yeah, so yeah. much fun. There's just nothing. Was that Shaky Knees that you guys played that? Or yeah, 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 yeah. That we recording just, is just like all your faces is hilarious. Yeah, we're just like, yeah. this is the best life ever. Yep. And it went off. Like, we played it really well. It's so, it's also, it's just so easy to play it. That makes it so fun. You know, starting from the, just writing a song and then going all the way through and playing it live in front of that many people was just like... Yes, and it'll it it never happen again but it was great that we got to do it when people yeah. still played live music yeah <laughs> <laughs> awesome. gosh that's such an ominous thing to say. I, know. I know live music is going to be like the magazine of the next decade well have you seen those suits they're designing for people to wear to shows yeah they're like, bag suits they're like, it's crazy <laughs> you just can't breathe and you die yeah. <laughs> nightmare I know. Um, so I mean one of the things that we like to do on tape notes is to build a track up now I'm thinking that what we could do is have a quick blast of the finished version of Delita okay. and yeah. and build one of the other tracks up from scratch. I mean, building expectations up from scratch would be yeah. crazy because you did so much crazy shit on that. So uh, maybe we should have a quick blast of the, the finished version of Delita and then we'll carry on to talk about expectations. Okay. Does that sound like a plan? Yeah, that sounds, sounds great. great. And the interesting thing is that it still sounds like a live performance, doesn't it? I mean, with the count-in and everything. Yeah, I think that was sort of the intention, is to keep that... Yeah. It is that song, you know? great way to open an album and a great way to reintroduce the band this time round, which is what you did i think yeah yeah that was that's our first, first one first single and actually that's the um we're playing a special version where christian starts the song singing lower we actually the radio version he's singing higher but exclusive for you yes <laughs> pretty cool <laughs> you may have heard us talk about tape it before and if you haven't then let me fill you in, as they are the sponsor of today's episode with a fantastic offer for you. Tape It is an iPhone recording app made by musicians for musicians. Many of our guests on Tape Notes, music industry friends and listeners rely on voice notes to record their early ideas. People like the Lumineers, Ezra Collective and Fred again have all shared recordings with us made on voice notes. But what you wouldn't have heard are the long pauses where they're searching for those recordings. We wouldn't want to put you through that. As you can understand, organising and finding the right notes, let alone a specific part, can be a nightmare. 
Tapeit solves all of that voice memo chaos with intuitive labeling features, including automatic instrument detection, markers, and collaborative mixtapes, meaning you can share band practices, organize set lists, and brainstorm ideas with co-writers and band members. Plus, you can record straight from your lock screen and attach text and photo notes to each recording. One of our favorite features within Tapeit Pro is that you can record in stereo using two microphones along with gentler dynamic compression to give a much more natural sound than any of the usual apps. It's a huge upgrade to the microphone and all-round audio quality. It really helps support the podcast whenever you engage with our sponsors. So if Tapeit sounds like an app you'd use, then do us a favor. Pause the episode, head to the link in a recent episode show notes, or visit tape.it forward slash tape notes and give tape it a go. That's tape.it forward slash tape notes. You can download for free or use the promo code tape notes for 50% off tape it pro. Thank you. And now on with the show. Did you do it? Honestly, Tape It is fantastic. All of the Tape Notes team members are complete converts. And excitingly, some of our guests have started to use it as well. So I really would recommend checking it out. So from Deleter, we're going to start looking at another song, Expectations, which has some amazing different sounds on it. I mean, I keep listening to it, trying to identify sounds, and it's really, really hard. Yeah, so do I. (laughs) And I was in the room. (laughs) So I'm thinking this is probably one that, um, you know, really benefited from you all being together on the ranch, hanging out and exploring ideas. Exactly. Because when you hear the demo, you'll see how much different it is. The way this song came to be, by the way, though, is kind of an interesting story because we were writing for a soundtrack for a movie and this song was going to be on the movie. And then we were like, fuck that. Let's put it on the album. Right. So I have the, the original demo. And this is a fun story because it starts with this, the Echoplex, this old like oh, yeah, tape looping. Right there. Yeah, which I see behind <laughs> yeah, me. not opened. I know. Yeah. <laughs> and Dave, and, and I love this part of the song, this like Echoplex, which you'll hear, it's this reverberating like loop on feedback. And it was one of the first things Dave just took out of the song when we started working <laughs> on it. And I was like, oh man. And I was like, how am I going to get the Echoplex back in? <laughs> and he's like, I hate those things. Get that thing away from me. <laughs> and uh, But it's what's funny about it, it's like the origin of the whole song came from this Echoplex loop that my friend Alex played. And without it, the song never would have been written. And we, and we still snuck it in the mix, too. Can we, hear the, can we hear the loop? Here it is. Yeah. the echoplex is fighting us it's not the thing is that i don't even hate it i still want you guys to build a song off an echoplex i was like build the song that's the song right right, and right. then we'll put the echoplex in if we need to totally and i was hoping we wouldn't but <laughs> we did i actually like it now because yeah. we didn't build a song off it right you know what i mean right no you did some wild shit during the song yeah it's a lot of experiments it was like I was in Germany at like a, a crazy like rave and it was like five in the morning. You were, every time I looked, you were in a different table, like standing on it, doing like different yeah. dances, like oh, that's right. yeah. touching things with your toes and like Oh yeah, I was doing the modular with my feet. Yeah, it was amazing. That's pretty weird. Just 
So the words are all in place there, Hannah. Yeah, they came pretty quickly, which is honestly the greatest gift ever when that happens. <laughs> and so th- with this demo, that is Alex playing the Echoplex because you're working on the song with the idea that it's going to go in somewhere else to somebody yeah. else. Yeah. Then when Hannah started singing on it, we're like, we're definitely not giving Wait. this to the film. We're going to go play this for Dave and see what he thinks. Yeah. And right. Dave heard it and was like, let's do this. I remember. Yeah. And then it just... Yeah. It that was the first time I thing. ever like really heard... This is going to be like a, a crazy reference, but I totally mean it in a thousand percent sincerity. So when I was a kid, I remember hearing Joan Jett and being like, what the fuck? It was like the most powerful voice I'd ever heard, right? And I'd heard all these dudes and metal dudes and whatever, but Joan Jett was like believable and tough and all this shit. It was the first time that I heard that from Hannah and I was like, yo, that's fucking dope. Hell so, yeah. 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 Blushing. So like, you know, do you want to touch? Yeah, do you want to touch? Yeah, Dave was fired up, which is always exciting because it's honestly like he's the easiest person to read in the entire world. Yeah, it's pretty true. He's like, I hate it. I'm like a post-it note. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's funny. Like, it's a post-it note with invisible ink. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like you're either stuck on the wall or you're like floating to the ground. <laughs> So having heard that demo, it'd be great to start working our way into the song and kind of building that up in the way that you did when you got to the ranch and started recording it. Um, ben, for, drums. For the, for yeah. The <laughs> yeah. Every time we started a song, Ben, drums. And Ben's like, what am I playing? And he's like, something cool. <laughs> <laughs> and we would just be super abstract. Yeah. Like Ben would do different things and then we'd loop the drums and go from there. Yeah. Yeah. I love working with Ben. He's so fun. he's so much fun. Yeah, and it's like I'm always like throwing weird shit at him, and he just does it anyway. He's like super cooperative. Like yeah. even with the Neverly stuff, he's just like, "So you want it to be like it's stumbling?" And I'm like, "Yeah, stumbly." <laughs> <laughs> you know, totally. Yeah, yeah. What's the best thing to highlight to start with? What? So you're saying Ben got some drums. Ben down. drums. I would always scream Ben drums, and then he would go and sit at the drums, and then he'd be like, well, "What do you want me to play?" And I'm like, "Something cool," or just some weird thing that Christian and I or Hannah and I were like you actually, humming. And I was going to say, you actually got um, Dan into synths during yeah. the song. Oh, yeah, no. Now he's hooked. You know yeah, that? He's, he's like, he's hooked. Actually, I have actually to you have to send him one. I, I have say. to send him one. Yeah. I just realized I was like, oh shit, I never sent him. He the told movie. me, he's like, he's like, I bought him. a synth from Dave and he never yeah. sent it. I was like, I'll ask him after the pot. Yeah, no, we it's like, interview. I just, well, I was like, I don't want to send it until I clean all the pots out. And then I didn't clean the pots out for like 10 days or something. Then I cleaned him. I was like, it's ready to go. And then, you know, whatever. Dirty again. Yeah. Okay. No, America. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I think these are some drums right here. Sick. That sounds cool. Yeah. And then Dave and Dan um really wanted to like reapproach the whole baseline. Yeah. Dave is like, you play some Motown? Dan's like, I'm from Detroit. Yeah. He's like let play some Motown for me. And then Dan came up with this with Dave. And I remember I was like, I don't know if I like that. Yeah. So like <laughs> you always like married that. to the demo again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You have demo took, it's worse it, than most people, yeah. I think. And it took yeah. me a while to come around to it, but now I absolutely But he's so love quietly it. supportive. Yeah, yeah. And then inside just like turmoil. Yeah, burning inside. <laughs> Dart Dave said dartboard. 
I get it. Dave's in a dart. You know what I'm saying? That's what I should sell as merch for my podcast. Throw darts at my face for being wrong about certain records. Yeah, Christian was not having this. So is I mean, is that the very first thing that you came up with? Because you were experimenting with the bass. You're trying to find out different ideas. So you, you came up with that and that just stuck? Yeah, it was just like, let's just build stuff really quickly, confidently, and see if it lasts. And if we want to go back and redo something or change something, we can. Mm-hmm. But like, let's just try it and then like kind of build off it. But Dan, especially because like at first, Dan was like really cerebral. So he's like really thinking things through and everything and he was the one that i was like just don't think about it man you know like just do drugs man just don't (laughs) think about it and when he wasn't thinking about it he would just crush it so i was like my suggestion is that you should never think and you know he started like he watched me fucking around with the synthesizers and I just saw it in his face. I was like, that's like teenage shit right there. He's like an he, addict now. He's like, I wasn't even thinking about it like this. And I was just like, okay, well now only think about it like this. And then, you know, a lot of the songs were him just, I didn't even have to tell him anything. He was like, what if I just don't do what I thought I was going to do and do this instead? And I'm like, perfect. Yeah. Also working fast, you don't lose the moment. Yeah. And when you lose the mm-hmm. moment, you lose the song. Like yeah. it's just how it goes. So if you like, and honestly, normally the first thing we do would be the coolest. Yeah, I mean, that bass line, we probably like messed around with it for like 40 minutes. And then when he played it all the way through like that, yeah, I was, was like, so yeah, sick. that's it. Yeah, yeah, it's got like um, a soul to it that the song needs and it's got space. Yeah. Space is like the hardest thing to find. Yeah. And it's got all that space. That's the one thing that I was insistent on is that everything should have its, its spot. We don't need to put 100 guitars on it. Like we would, yeah. you know be like, what is essential to the song? And I'm like, tell Congas. the story. Congas, too. Yeah, 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 totally. Our wow. stage setup now from this album is <laughs> Here they so are. wild. Looks how good these songs. Let's go Congas. Yeah, let's do it. Congas, baby. We now have a live Congo player on stage with us. See, That's perfect. right. That's why you have more friends on tour. It's better. Yeah, yeah it's awesome. And who, who plays the congas on there? Ben. Ben. Oh, that's Ben. Yeah. Right. So once he laid down that groove that you looped, he could move around the room and pick up other bits. Yeah. Whoa. Oh, that's a... And what are those noises? What are those sounds? That's a uh, Prophet 6. And just some like weird sounds I was messing with. Which we all have now, by the way. Prophecy. Yeah, a lot of people get those after they watch me use them. So this is the thing with Dan is that Dan, you know, it's like when you get a synthesizer, you can like go through the presets and then like change one or two knobs. But I have a synthesizer problem. So I would just sit there and just like mix patches from scratch and, and then sequence them and do all the stuff. And Dan hadn't been thinking about a synthesizer as that. He'd been thinking about it. Oh, find a cool sound and play that. He didn't think about it. Like it can be the percussion. It can be the bass. It can be the this. It can be the that. And you can make the sounds from scratch really easily once you kind of like know the layout. So I was just messing around and just showing him. And then I had it plugged into a DJ mixer and I was like muting it with the DJ mixer with the crossfader. And Dan just went berserk. I mean, I think he bought the keyboards that we played in his mind like eight minutes after he played them. Because he was... 
he was like, I can't not do this forever now. Right. So I have him right here, I think. Yeah. Let's see. So all these interesting noises come from the Prophet Six. Yeah, this is all stuff on the Prophet Six. And this actually was me showing Dan how the synthesizer worked. Right. While making making parts and then Dan was already playing bass he just wanted me to keep doing synthesizer stuff so he could watch and I was like showing him how to do sequences and change sounds and change oscillators and modulate but I was playing parts because I just can't help myself it's it's funny it's like this is one of the songs that it was kind of like working with TV on the radio because I'm spoiled in a lot of ways but in the the overriding theme of that band is any sound or word or frequency can play any role in a song. Like just because it's a drum doesn't mean it can't be melodic. Just because it's a voice doesn't mean it can't be a bass. Just because it's a keyboard doesn't mean it can't sound like a guitar. And I credit Jaleel and Tunde and Kip and Gerard for that way of seeing things. Like we collectively developed this way of being like, it doesn't matter what the sound is. If they work together or even if they're, apart from each other and it's like a call and response thing and this kind of was like the first time I got to do with these guys and you know the whole time I'm showing Dan how to use a synthesizer so I'm like reaching high you know I'm like going from one extreme to the other like there's percussions synth there's like dreamy synths there's like melodic synths you know it's like a a bunch of different things like weird wavy fall down things and that's a lot of stuff me and Jaleel do that all the time when we have a synthesizer we just are like let's do every sound this thing can make and see what's useful vocals because I think um, they're not quite as as sassy, not quite as Joan Jett as they were on the demo. Yeah, this song has a tenderness about it. And I think that that's Mm. kind of what we were like, keep the space. And rather than fill it up with synth parts, we just had a bunch of little parts that interplayed with each other that didn't step on the vocals, you know, because the song is so sincere. This is another one that I think Hannah sang the lead vocal at like 6.30 in the morning or something. And it was so the right energy for the song you know i think we were intending on going back and recutting the vocals but it just sounded so good that it was like no this is the right vibe and then that kind of helped me police the sounds that were going to go on during the song because i was like i don't want anything to interfere with that and i don't want handed it over saying to sing on top of all these sounds like that yeah i felt like my vocals became a sound rather yeah. than being yeah. like a lead vocal and what worked in the demo didn't necessarily work in this one and um being feminine in a way was kind of an exciting thing for me because i'm like i'm very good at being aggressive and being funny so finding the space to feel sort of safe to be feminine on this album was um you know i'm just like surrounded by guys i i I feel i identify with being like a tomboy all the time and stuff so like that was really fun now there's a whole new side of me yeah Feminine Hannah. <laughs> 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 
know why that's funny. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I mean, there's some acoustic guitar comes in at some point, I think. Yeah. That switches it up again, doesn't it? Yeah. The cool thing about Dave's version, too, is it has this giant prolonged bridge, um, which is just a really fun, amazing dance party. And the original demo doesn't. It just goes to the second chorus and ends. And yeah. I, and it's mm-hmm. like, well, it's such a great addition. We were talking about that, and Hannah had been bringing up, like, what happened to music that you could just, like, all of a sudden in the middle, it would just put you on a dance floor and you could just trip out. Everything's in such a hurry. And I was thinking about like new order and Tom, Tom club and all these bands that use like these, you know, just cause everyone's attention span is three, you know, it's like 45 seconds. Doesn't mean that we have to like yield to that. And then it was like, we made the, I think the original, it break, was really long. It was really long. Cause Hannah's like, no, it's gotta be like 24 well, hours you, well, long. You, like, feel it. Cause you know, I, there was a period in my life where I listened to a lot of, music that was designed around tripping or drugs. So yeah. basically it'd be like designed, like if you took this then, then you'll be peaking now. And then yeah. by the end, so like it, it was so fun to open up that world again. Yeah. And we were all dancing in the studio. Like there was, do you remember um, Zach, Wessie and I yeah. did a whole dance routine to this. Oh the yeah, middle part. It was crazy. It was I, I have it on video. Yeah, it was pretty complicated too. Uh, Wessie's actually quite good at um, dance moves. You need to share that with the world. Yeah. yeah, we should put it, upload it. We'll yeah. upload it for sure. Would you guys like to hear that section? Yeah, definitely. Okay. So having implored people to take off all their clothes and just dance, this is the bit that they can do that in. That's what you're suggesting then, isn't it, Hannah? Yeah, you should be naked and totally burned mm. by this point. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm going to throw something at you, John. Let's just see how English you really are. Do you remember Candy Flip? Yes. Do you remember yeah, their they strawberry? Did that strawberry feels forever cover? Did you ever hear the 12 inch version of that or the like the extended dance mix of it? I'm not sure. I, I don't know. I very possibly <laughs> it's did. Bananas, man. It just goes on. It's awesome. But that was like one of the things that was kind of in my head. That and Tom Tom Club. I was just like, fuck it, man. Let's go seven minutes, eight minutes. I don't care. You know, yeah. no rules. And I, I remember the label really wanted to shorten it. Oh, yeah. They always we were like, nah. We call them fun stoppers. We just came. We just kept saying, "Is this going to be a single?" And then they'd be like, "No," and we're like, "Then nah." Why would we? Yeah. Why would we mess with greatness? Yeah. That was a conversation. Remember, you and I we were like, they want it to be shorter. I was like, "Will they commit to spending money on the song, making a video and a remix and all that stuff?" And you were like, "No," and I was like, "Then no." <laughs> Still would be a good single, even at five minutes fourteen. I, I works you know that. Yeah, yeah, you know, know. You know that. We, we believe Thank that you. too. Yeah. I mean, and also just, I mean, it's got such a great groove and you no know, lyrics that implore people to let themselves go and relax and have fun and come to terms with their own identities. You know, this is an important thing that we, I think should be across daytime radio. So, no, it should be released as a single. I love that. I think you guys are more progressive over there on the radio mm-hmm. than we are over here. Sometimes, sometimes. But I mean, yeah. this is, I live in a kind of fantasy world where 
No, uh, I play DJ sets where you know we go from one extreme to another, and everybody dances. Nobody leaves right. the dance floor because you no. Know, um, yeah. I that, love that, that. The reality of that is very different, as we all know. But uh, the other thing that's interesting about expectations, I think, is that I mean, it's interesting you mentioned Tom Tom Club and you know Candy Flip extended mm-hmm. mixes or whatever, just because it has a, a kind of almost kind of European or, or of a, a kind of world music feel to it. To totally. Me. You know, it, it kind of reminds me of people like Manu Chow or, or oh, something Manu like Chow, that. Oh, Manu Chow, absolutely. Or um, uh, Corner Shop. I love yeah. Corner Shop. Yeah. I love Manu yeah. Chow. I love both of them. So you have a kind of such a cross uh, broad spectrum of, of different sounds going on, but it has a nice gentle feel to it as well, um, mm-hmm. which I always think that, you know, artists like Manu Chow or Corner Shop, you know, create that kind of easy vibe that lets people into their world and and people just love grooving in that world. And I think you do that really nicely with expectations. Yeah, I think we were grooving. I honestly think we were grooving and we wanted something like we've never made a song that felt like this ever. So that was just, um, we were like, this feels good. So that's right. (laughs) And that's why the vocals stayed as they were, because it had that sultry 70s kind of feel to it. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing. If you're doing anything that's like introspective, if you oversing it or make everything super giant and slamming and anthemic, it sounds preachy. And I think people are kind of defensive, <laughs> have defenses against that kind of music being played at them. You know what I mean? You know, there's songs that are just like, oh, this is like a dance floor hit. And it's like, I'm supposed to feel this one way, but this is that kind of low key, like feel however you want to feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? You don't have to throw your hands in the air. The, the roof doesn't have to be on fire. It's also so cool to be restrained, which is like something I don't understand. Everyone can add, no one can subtract. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's always like more, more, more. And it sounds like songs wind up being, you know, giant glitter bricks shot at your forehead. (laughs) It's true. So we go now from expectations to places, which is completely different. You know, the contrast is is really nice and, and stark in some ways. How did places begin? Um, I was just messing around on the guitar one night. I was probably stoned in the living room and just stumbled upon the melody and the lyrics and the riff, luckily, at the same time. <laughs> and uh, I was like, oh, I, th- I have something here. And I remember Hannah was in the kitchen and she wanted me to do something or like put I, the guitar down. But you, you were like, ah, oh, this song's actually a good one. I'm not going to interrupt you right now. Yeah, I can be rude and just be like, yo, let's let's do this. But this time I was like, oh, this is so beautiful. I'm just going to do it all by myself. <laughs> yeah. It must be difficult, though. I mean, there are moments when, you know, let's say the the cleaning needs to be done or whatever it is you, you had in mind. It's like interrupt that creative flow uh, yeah. to make sure those chores get done. It's, it's tricky. It is you tricky. You don't interrupt it. If you're aware of it, you don't interrupt it. But, but- Honestly, too, because those moments are so rare. It feels like these days to even have the time to do that. So yeah, mm. you can't predict when it's going to come together and be honest. You know what I mean? You can't be like it's worth living in filth. If greatness comes out of it, live in filth. <laughs> yeah, Just yeah, deal yeah. With it. Yeah, I hear that. It's true. It gives you much more, many more opportunities to write more songs. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, every once in a while you got a clean up day, but that's because you like try a song and your song sucks. Right. You're like, and you're like might as well clean I better up. clean up. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If I'm gonna uh, suck, I might as well use a vacuum. I love. <laughs> I love when I suck and I use the vacuum. That was amazing. So fun. Yeah, so th- this song is kind of about vacuuming out your soul <laughs> a little bit. Try- trying to clean your insides if you can. So we can imagine you strumming the guitar, singing the song, everything coming at once. This is a pretty miraculous moment, it seems. Yeah, and they don't come too often. So 
this is like a living testament that when they do, they usually are special or they're meant to be written at that moment. Yeah. And, it, and you felt and better. Like something. you felt really good after you wrote it. I remember Christian came down. I took our daughter downstairs and after he'd worked on it for a while, he came down and he was just like, what's up? I How did are something you? finally. Yeah, yeah like yeah. Something, something magical happened. I was just like, guess who got off his lazy yeah. ass? This guy. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was beautiful. It's like, yeah, it's great to have that feeling. It could also ruin other songs, though, that don't naturally come that quickly. Oh, yeah. But just they need their own time and they will become great. But then yeah. if, oh, if, like, you, if you lose the patience mm -hmm. sometimes or you expect too much, it's not always going to be like that. Yeah. So that's why you, the more you do it, the more great songs come. I have this theory that people's souls like travel into your body and they give you songs and then they leave. So if you're not in a place to receive them, you just like blew an opportunity to get like the next best song ever. And um, Christian was just sitting in this chair in the corner and like the soul flew into him. <laughs> the window was open. There you go. Yeah. That's right. Mm. So what should we hear first? It sounds like we need to hear uh, to continue the picture. We need to hear Christian in that chair strumming. Yeah, I had so much fun with this song. I took the original idea of just simple guitar line and, and melody and just was so excited about it. I kept adding more and more things, as you'll see. And Dave was like, we're taking all that out, basically. <laughs> um, He's like, why are you covering up the truth? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's true. When I hear it now, I'm like, yeah. wow, there's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. It's like archaeology. I'm like, there's a great song and you already wrote it. Why are you yeah. putting all this sand on it? It's crazy. Okay, yeah. here, it, here it comes. There's a place where I'll run it from We don't know how to get there Yeah, there's a place where I'll run it from But we don't know how to get there Yeah, we like to tie both hands down We try to see the signs We try to hear the signs And if we can do So what comes in then? Tambourine, some violins, bass guitar. And is that the whole group, or is that just, oh, just you? me? Multi-track, multi-tracking myself, yeah, yeah. Now, now here come the full drums. Some electric guitar. 
So was it tricky working out the timing of all this, about which section should come in and when it should come in? Yeah, and basically everything we're hearing now is gone now from the finished product, this whole section. We kind of ended after that big harmony stack up. Just to speak for Christian, I might be wrong, but everything for the song came together really quickly for him. I think he knew pretty much off the bat like where everything was going and he heard everything before he laid it down you know just one of those songs that came together quickly yeah and everything we've heard just now this is recorded at sonic ranch in el paso or no this is recorded in our garage (laughs) yeah this is recorded in your garage so this is the demo yeah amazing And what kind of setup do you have in that garage then? <laughs> just like a laptop. I, I don't really know what I'm doing in there. I just get no, but I just make it good enough so you can kind of tell where it can go. You did a pretty good job. I've heard worse. We did. We yeah. said though we painted the room green, and now it feels like more like a studio. We hung some guitars but on the I, wall. I need a lot more gear. I need to like learn about that more. See, or, I feel like we need yeah. less gear because I just think if I you could nothing. write it on a guitar you, it's a, or a piano, it's a song. Well, I got a prophet in there now in a Mellotron. There you go. Because of you. Yeah. yeah it's my fault. Sick. <laughs> it is your fault. But I have to say, when Dave heard the song, it wasn't like the, the way you felt when you heard a lot of other songs where you were like, I know what we should change and stuff. You were like, I know how to make this song more emotional. I think that's really what I felt like you were talking about. Well, just the drama of the lyrics wasn't, it's not like the demo was wrong. Right. No, it, no, no. it was just that it didn't have the drama that the lyrics suggested. And yeah. I was like, what if we try to dial in the things that work and then see if it can exist with the least amount of things. And then if we're going to rebuild something else, that's when that whole orchestral thing, like, cause I, I was just trying to show you an idea, not thinking it was going to be the thing, but it just started, the pieces all fit together really well, but it was like all based on, the lyrics like and the melodic ideas and when we stripped it all back you were like singing stuff instead of having a full drum set let's not do that you know Mm -hmm. it's also oh yeah go and i was gonna say when willa first heard that song she's like why doesn't ben play drums in that one Uh we're like because some songs don't require drums and are actually better without them she's She's like like, that's okay i'll play drums (laughs) and And when we jam my daughter plays drums now and when we jam like all right willa this way i could we'll we'll play deleter and there's like a part where the drums drop out and she's like no way i'm not dropping out yeah Yeah, i keep playing forever you gotta learn to add and then you learn to subtract exactly so let's hear what happened at the ranch then awesome there's a place we're all running from we don't know how to get there Yeah, and as Dave was mentioning, you see, like in the middle of the song, these beautiful string arrangements and orchestra parts that are beautiful. There's a place where I'm running 
That's a playground recording that I had from New York when I lived in New York. I had it on a mini disc, and I've just carried it around on hard drive to hard drive to hard drive to hard drive, and then I was like, hmm, this will work. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to work with group love so I can finally put this, <laughs> these sounds on one song. Exactly. <laughs> and by playground recording, what do you mean? Who was playing in the playground? kids it was just like a ambient recording you know i used to walk around new york and with a mini disc recorder i don't know if you guys remember those things definitely Mm -hmm. but they had these little stereo mics and i would just walk around the lower east side or wherever and just record ice cream trucks and people and subways and all that stuff and you know me and tunde used that to great effect for a long time we'd like put it in loop pedals and slow it down and all that stuff but that's so cool yeah yeah but i had this one recording and i was like i'm just gonna throw that in there makes it so emotional yeah Every time I hear it, I think it's Willa, like out of yeah. the playground, because yeah. that's what she sounds well, it's like. It's the whole idea of like, there's this place that I'm running from. It's yeah. like, we don't know how to get there. It's like the whole, like, the unknown, but in like a children's book way. Mm-hmm. Totally. Coming back to ourselves yeah. as a yeah. child. Yeah. I was saying about like the drama I was like I wonder if we put really cinematic dramatic music under the dramatic song rather than try to ease the tension we'll just kind of use it to our advantage rather than drums and all that stuff let's just see what happens if we don't you know and it, it it's weird it kind of reminds me of Pink Floyd in a way So how did you go about writing those parts or recording those parts? I mean, did you try to do that at the ranch or did you do those in a separate session with with a, a an orchestra? No, this was all done on a Mellotron. This is why they bought a Mellotron because they watched me get real high and yeah. do this. <laughs> I think that that's the day that they bought a Mellotron in their minds because it's like that Mellotron, especially if you like speed it up and slow it down and kind of make it bend into the thing it's almost like it's already familiar because it's been used in so much music. Instead of like having like a really big complicated idea that you play on two hands, I'll play six parts, but one finger at a time with different sounds. So rather than do like a string section, I'll do like two strings and a celeste and a something else. And, And it comes with this ability to really use it spectrally. Like, okay, this cello, we can cut all the highs out because we're getting the high from the celeste or whatever. And that interplay between those instruments is, I mean, you know, we were talking about Scott Walker or Lee Hazelwood or, you know, any, like, was it Lorraine Ellison, her version of uh, Stay With Me? It's like Jean-Claude Vignet and, like, whoever did the strings for Scott Walker, I forget her name. Like, all these, like, arrangers for that era of music, I was kind of like, it's not really used a whole lot. So I've kind of focused <laughs> a lot of attention on it. Like, you know, it's that's the stuff I listen to most of the time. So I had kind of just been like, hey, guys, what I mean is something like this. And I kind of just like did it right on the spot thinking, "Okay, we can refine that or whatever. Everyone's like, no, no, no. That was it. That's the Mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. Yeah. So. So it's the Dave Sittek orchestra in effect. Yes. Yeah. It's the Dave Sittek pretending he's Jean-Claude Vignet (laughs) orchestra. 
is a really good illustration of the versatility and the scope of the Mellotron, though, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, we know it has all those recorded sounds on it, but, I mean, we really do hear the breadth that you could get with an orchestra. And vocal music on top of that, I mean, it's just, like, to die for, you know? Mm. And so these backing vocals, is that everybody? No, you know, that's funny enough. The, that's the same one you heard before recently. Yeah, that was really original. Not, yeah. We're just like, let's wow. just fly that in. There's something cool about that. I think we tried to do harmonies right ourselves, and then we kept the original. Just for like no. a minute, because we yeah. were like, the, other, the original sounds so, so good. good. Let's yeah. just leave it, you know? I was just it trying. sounds desperate and like in the middle of the night kind of vibes. Yeah. I was just it. trying to do anything to get on this song, but I couldn't, I couldn't find my way <laughs> <Yeah>. in. It's <laughs> crazy. <laughs> That's the CS. Yeah. That's so dope. I love that. We got those too. We can't talk about that on the air because it's going to make the price go up. Okay, let's not do that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I play on stage though, that part. Yeah, that's That's, dope. That's my part. So that's how you make an album. (laughs) (laughs) Mix that with a little bit of drugs. Yeah. (laughs) Go somewhere. Breakfast tacos. Yeah, exactly. No, breakfast burritos. Get rid of all your day friends. Yeah, that's right. Peacecake. That's funny. So, I mean, when I first heard um, Places, you know, I was trying to work out how many different musicians were involved and and that kind of thing. But basically what you're saying, it's Christian and Dave. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds about right. We were just watching the Peep Show. Yeah. And we, we got in it too, because I wanted this whole drum section to come after that stacked vocal part. And Dave was like, no. You're not seeing it in the structure i'm seeing it that is the finale moment that is like the c partner mm-hmm. yeah i was like your voice is already the thing you know yeah. like yeah so the way the studio is set up is there's two areas with couches there's there's an area on the right of the door an area on the left and like when you're in the song you're on the right side with dave and you're just like going through it or you're on the left side which is sort of like near the snack bar Dan, Wesley, and Ben and I were on the, we were all squished on the other side. (laughs) Yeah. It was great. But it's interesting because um, it's a good illustration of of the demo being a demonstration of the possibilities of how to realize the song. So, you know, we heard Christian on his own in his garage building up various different aspects of what could be involved. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you could have adhered to some of those. And as you've kind of discussed about the drums and, and that kind of thing. Um, but but clearly, without having done the demo, um, you wouldn't necessarily know what you could realize when you went to record it. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And that's what's so beautiful about the whole process, because you come out with these masterpieces that you never imagined could exist that way. And it just, you know, when songs exceed your expectations, it's an awesome, awesome, awesome thing. Yeah, really exciting. So, um, I mean, I know we've we've discussed the three songs, uh, but but we do have some other questions that we always like to ask people uh, on tape notes. And there are two that I'd like to ask you all now. Um, do it. One of them is about advice. Any advice that you have received or any advice that you would give to anybody who's interested in or is already making music? You know, have you ever had a, a mentor who has sat you down and said, you need to know this? Or have you, in your experiences, come away with lessons that you need to pass on to other people? Hmm, that's a great question. 
Um, Dave probably has so much to say, so I'm just going to um, go first. <laughs> you can't put that on me. I can feel it, Come though. On, sister. I feel I, your no, energy. I mean, th there's so many people. I, so I'm, many people. I'm lucky, you know, like I work with so many people and I learn so much from the people that I work with. I mean, I think as far as advice, like don't work with Dave Siddick. That I'll start right there. Do not, <laughs> you know, produce yourself, man. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> but the thing that I noticed the most is that the people who take the biggest risks last the longest. So like, if you're the kind of person who's going to say, I already know what I know, let me try something I don't know. It keeps people engaged. It's like people will reward you for your courage to take risks. Like if you make the second version of someone else's song, which is, I think the pop game a lot of times is chasing something that's, you know, I'm sure like some big artist comes out, right. And then every label that, wants me to work with one of their artists tells me, Oh, we want to make something that's like blank. And I'm like, well then call them, you know, or get in a time machine and go back to before that song was written. So you can be original TV on the radio is like a big experiment, you know? And I think that I learned probably the most from those guys because no one thought it would work. The idea of it working was like abstract to us all the way through, you know, now. <laughs> and, and so we were willing to take big chances because we were like, what are we risking? You know, it's like we didn't have a, a track record, a successful track record. So we just took experimental approach to things and, and it wound up working. And then we were like, well, if we repeat that, we're in big trouble. So let's like screw it up and do something different. And through that, I think that that's probably the, the best advice. This is like a listening game and like a feeling game. It's not like a thinking calculating game it's like if you're trying to strategize being successful or something that has nothing to do with making music totally you know to yeah. me that's like a find who did this find out who wrote that put them together in a room find the artist that needs this song and put them in the room i know like people obsess with like bpm and things i'm like i feel like making music for me, the greatest lesson has been like, get to know your authentic self and know that self is always changing and who's around you is going to change who you are there and just keep being uncomfortable and like keep trying to find where your voice is at that day. Like I'm a completely different person in so many ways than I was when we made Healer. Yeah. So it'd be like exciting to go right with us, this crew again yeah. and see what would happen because it would be totally different. Yeah. You know? I mean, then that's the thing is that it's also like, and I always, I emphasize this to, to these guys, but I emphasize it to everyone else is that I'm not propelled by like an exclamation point. It's not like I know something's right. I'm just willing to conduct a bunch of experiments and let the right thing make itself known. You know, I mean, in some instances, I'm like, I have a very specific idea and a very specific thing, but even still I'm open to it not being right. You know, I'm like, let's just try it. Maybe for this, it's not the right thing, but let's try it and see if it works. Yeah. And that's something that like, <sighs> If I had to pick like a particular piece of advice, it's only be around people who want you to grow. People who, and a lot of times they won't be musicians or people in the music business. They're people who like care about you as a person and your personal growth. And if you're taking chances, but you're learning and you're improving, you want people around who are A, honest enough to tell you when you need to push yourself harder and B, to acknowledge your small victories that you might not see. And I think that that's like a really big no one makes it by themselves. You only make it, you know, show me your friends and I'll show you your future, you know? Totally. So also like whatever that little secret thing is that you have in you that's tucked away. Like that's what we want to know about. Yeah. Like when you're writing, like what's that 
right. thing that you're hiding or you're scared of or you're whatever's like propelling you to hide that. That's what I want to know about personally. Yeah. You or know? it's relatable. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Because we all have that dark spot. Everyone's made mistakes. Like if you sing about making mistakes, it's like, I mean, blues music is about a million things that mm -hmm. are true that everyone can relate to, you know, yeah. and so many things came from it, but people make mistakes. Sometimes they grow weird beards. And <laughs> have you seen, a, have you seen midnight in Paris? Oh, no, there's this, there's a scene where they're sort of making fun of Hemingway, yeah. but he's like, um, Owen Wilson comes with his book. Okay. Let me make this short, but Owen Wilson comes with his book and he's like, Hemingway, would you read my book? And he's like, no, I will not. Because if it's good and it's true, I will hate you for it. And then if it's bad, I will hate you because it's bad. So I will not read your book. And I'm like, all right, uh, there's, some, there's some advice there. Just be good and true. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Christian? <laughs> I, uh, I think working with Dave was really, uh, like you were asking who are mentors. You know, we've had many down the line, but Dave is one of the latest mentors and one of the most, the one who will have the most, I think, impact on us because we learned so much about just kind of stepping out of your comfort zone like we were just talking about and going off that cliff a little bit and trusting that you're not going to hit the ground really hard. You're going to like float on your magic that you're yeah. making in the process. You skin your knees. Maybe a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, and to just kind of just keep it simple because simple's the best. And that's not always, you know, people can think you need to do a lot of things to, to a song. And luckily the simple always is the best. That's how I write. And it's just cool to see someone like Dave kind of solidify that in you. And you know, like, oh yeah, it is okay. What what are we doing chasing all this other stuff a yeah. lot, you know, a lot of the time? Yeah. If it's simple and true. And if it's, it's honest, simple yeah. and it's honest and it's true, then I will hate you for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hemingway. So um, from advice to something, um, in a way you could say is, is more mundane, but it's equipment. Is there a piece of kit that you can't work without? And it seems interesting with this conversation because it sounds like Dave Sitek is actually an equipment dealer and that he turns people on to all this amazing stuff. And, and then he has this amazing warehouse where he says, oh, by the way, I've got one. And uh, yeah, you can have it at a good price. Yeah, he does do that. I do that. Yeah. Dan, Dan's like living in shambles right now, just like surrounded by synths, but it's yeah, fine. It's my fault <laughs> and his fault. I mean, I think equipment, it's like you don't personally, I would say you don't need to lean on equipment for anything. But if you feel like it can open up your world to write differently, then definitely go with it. But I do believe that a good song is a good song, whether it's written on a piano or on a guitar, you're like humming it or it's written on the synth or it's written super on this crazy complex thing. I actually write a lot personally just with drum beats. Like yeah. with that, I just like hear instrumentation and write a melody and then I realize there's no instrumentation there just through drum beats. So I think that the, there's like no equipment you need. I think you need, the equipment is believing in yourself. I mean, I get this question all the time. It's like, I want to build a studio. I have like 10 grand. I'm like, okay, spend 900 on a new iPhone and then or give whatever. Me, give me $9,100 for a bunch of weed. <laughs> yeah. No, but I always say like, get a phone with voice notes and spend the rest on drugs. You know, it's like, to me, voice notes is everything. I mean, me and Daniel, you've seen Daniel and I best. walk around yeah, yeah, yeah. with our phones and he and I are just like in that world all the time. We, do, just we like, do the same thing. Yeah. And it's like, if we uh, lost our phones, we'd lose it. Like literally our entire musical profile. There's probably like 70 records on your phone. Definitely. You know? 100%. So to me, to me, it's like equipment, comes in later. It's like, yeah, you can do the song anyway, you know, like it doesn't really matter. But back to 
the original point when we started this interview is that that's what I mean by believable. Like they could have played me songs that they sang on their phone and I would believe it just as much as a demo that was really more established, which I think that probably in most cases is true. Like if you can sing me the song right now with like a ukulele, I'm going to be more impressed than if you play me. Cause it, if you're playing me something that has a whole bunch of other things, it, it could be a style, not a song. Totally. And the voice notes strips the, that ability you can't multi-track it the song has to come out it has to be like right there and you know that's kind of i think if you can make a song worthy on your voice notes to play for someone else you're onto something yeah totally Def definitely when i record voice notes you know, i would usually go into the garage of my guitar and like wait to see if something cool comes but yeah. now i just say i know it's coming and just yeah. press record and then i'll just listen back i mean that's time. your life is blooming yeah. was all on my phone like oh, burn hollywood was all on my phone like yeah. yeah and the thing is that like like you were recording before they came and yeah. then they just started coming. Yeah, yeah. or so you're if, just like I, I got an idea and yeah. i'll sit there and i'll kind of like just play it a couple of times i'll be like oh this is gonna work and then i'll hit yeah. record and then re then record the whole thing and i think that that's something that you know it's back to that, what are you trying to say, you know, and just say it. And, mm -hmm. you know, Daniel and I are both from that school and that's what, you know, it's like you guys knew Daniel before you met him because me and him were cut from that cloth. We're just yeah, yeah. like, oh yeah, like you can dress it all up and all kinds of stuff, but if you can just go, you know, uh, there was this one YouTube video and it was Stevie Nicks backstage with her hairdresser or makeup oh, artist yeah, or something. So yeah. And it's like, she's singing Blame It On My Wild Heart, which has all this like 80s production. But in that video, she's just backstage warming up with her backup singers. And she's like, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I do. Blame it on my wild heart. And I know what she means. Where if she was like, I love you, like an, you know, blanket yeah, yeah. on a something, mm. something, something, I'd be like, uh. Yeah, she didn't dress it up. <laughs> you know you what don't I need mean? to dress, yeah, yeah. But it's like, it worked with her singing backstage. Totally. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 I mean, it also helps that she's fucking Stevie Nicks, <laughs> but you know what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah, 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 I do. That is an amazing clip. I mean, you actually, uh, I remember you telling me about that and I saw that because of you, Dave. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it, a it, it opened impact. my world to solo Stevie Nicks, which I, I hadn't really embraced before. And um, and you're grateful for it, right? I mean, it's like, Very we're lucky. grateful. She's very like- Very grateful. She shared something with us that's like unbeatable. I mean- the forensics on what she meant to like most singers I know are going to be done for years. Like she just did so much. I mean, to be in Fleetwood Mac and then to go and do that, it's just like, come yeah. on, you know? Yeah, totally. We should explain um, that Daniel is Daniel Ledinsky and he's the other half of this new project that you have together, the Neverly yeah. Boys, just, just to clarify yeah. Uh, yeah. for anybody who's thinking, who is Daniel? I need to know more about Daniel. Yeah. Um, he's a, someone I write a bunch of songs with. We wrote, you know, songs for other artists together. And, and we're, it's not even like we try to write songs. Daniel and I are like, let's drive around and smoke cigarettes and then songs come out. So we had to, we had to start a band because we were writing too many songs and we were like, okay, we got too many songs here. So. And they're great songs. Amazing album. Yeah. But it's like, he's like my Swedish brother. Like he's, <laughs> a, we're very, very uncannily similar. Yeah. It's been absolutely fantastic being able to talk to you about Gila and um, and have this conversation. Thank you so much for making it happen. I know we've had a lot of equipment uh, and technical things to juggle around, and we should give a shout-out to Derek as well, who helped make Derek. sure Derek. Yeah, Derek. Derek. Thank you. who's been sitting with you and making yep. 
the connections happen, and of course our very own Will Brown. But um, yeah, Will. No, thanks Will. so much. It was so good to speak to you. I mean, it, it does seem really strange because we're coming out of lockdown here in the UK, and I think you kind of are in the US. We don't know what's ahead of us, but it seems strange that you were one of the last bands that I interviewed before lockdown, um, Hannah and Christian. You know, on that lightning trip to the UK, and and it's it seems kind of cool that we're we're hooking up now that right. um, the world is is coming back together again. So um, yeah, <laughs> thank you, dude. Thanks for thank having us. Thank you so much. I'm so happy this worked out. So we should play out with another song from the album. Um, have you any suggestions? Are there any things that you particularly want to share? Let's go out with youth. 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 Okay. Thanks again. Let's hear youth then. Group love. Healer. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you have a moment, do tell your friends and leave us a review. It all really helps. Thanks to those of you who have already donated to the show. I'm just one part of the team that brings you tape notes. It relies on your support. If you'd like to donate, please head to our website. To ask a question on a future episode or find out who's coming up, head to our socials and on Instagram you can see pictures from the recording sessions for each episode of Tape Notes. Once again, thank you for listening. Until next time, goodbye.